Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, it is good to be back here, uh, here at the church, and it's good to be back with my family. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm a little rusty. I can't even figure out my iPad. Um, But I'm excited to be back here uh, preaching with you today. I want to give you some quick announcements. Um, One of the announcements I want to make is uh, during the week, we are trying to create an atmosphere where people can still get together. And so uh, if you want to be a part of uh, like this Tuesday, we have a thing called Summer Socials and we'll do some poetry and we're going to be doing some, uh, some music and that's going to be happening this Tuesday. And so we have a bunch of things we do on Tuesday nights uh, throughout the summer. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, text 484848 and you're going to text the word socials. All right. And that'll give you an information about all the things that we're going to be doing on Tuesday night. Again, text to the number 484848 and you text the phrase socials and that'll give you information about what we're doing. Also, we have a men's and women's Bible study happening on Thursday nights. And on Thursday nights, we have Corey Porter. She's been leading the women. They've been having a great time over there. My wife tells me about it. And then uh, for the men, uh, Rasul has just been doing an incredible job of getting us to understand First Thessalonians. And Corey's been going over Ephesians. If you want to get involved with that, uh, for the women, you'll also text to 484848. You'll text the phrase women20. For the men, same number. You'll text the word men 20, and then you'll be able to get more information. You'll get a Zoom link so you can be a part of those Bible studies. Well, like I said, it's good to be back. Uh, my, my iPad was tripping, so I couldn't even get a chance to say hello, but it's good to see everybody. Uh, we're still social distancing and figuring all that out, and it looks like this is going to be for a while, and so we're, we're ramping up for the fall and thinking of some new strategies, ways for us to still be able to get together and connect, but while we're here, uh, yo, give me some emojis while I'm preaching, praise God, because I want to feel like I'm saying something that uh, resonates with you, amen? Now, um, so while I was gone, uh, a lot of stuff happened. You know, I, I'm like on social media a lot uh, when I'm gone, and I'm checking some things out, and our good friend Kanye West, um, what, a, what an interesting person. Um, he apparently is tries to run for president. I think, I guess he still has a presidential bid right now. And he had a campaign rally in South Carolina. And in this campaign rally, one of the things he said was that Harriet Tubman never freed the slaves. Now, you've got to understand the context that uh, Kanye actually said something like this two years ago. Actually, August of 2018, Kanye West said that, you know, black people were enslaved for 400 years, and that sounded like a choice. Slavery was a choice, right? So at this point, I think the collective understanding, at least amongst black and brown folks, is Kanye 
is canceled, amen? That we just don't want to hear anything else from him. He's crazy. You know, uh, there's all this stuff that we, we've been saying about him. And something interesting happened. You know, his, his wife acknowledged that he had bipolar and um, that he has a lot of different things he's going through. So I, my, my point in bringing him up is not to shame Kanye, although I do think he needs a better understanding of history. Um, I, I don't know what mental issues he's going through, and I don't mean to do anything disparaging to him. I, the reason I bring him up is because of what happened the next day. The next day, Dave Chappelle flew out from Ohio to uh, Wisconsin, I think he was in, Wyoming. See, I don't, that's why I don't know the map. Um, I'll be thinking they're the same place. Wyoming, praise God. Uh, he went out to Wyoming. I didn't know black people were in Wyoming. Now, maybe that's why my brain didn't register. But uh, he, he went out to Wyoming. And in going out there, they took a video. And I'm watching this video and I'm like, well, what's Dave Chappelle going to say? And you know what he said? Nothing. I mean, he didn't defend him. He didn't do anything. Right? But what he did do was there was an exchange they had and he looked at Kanye and he says, hey man, I love you. And he took this video and he was out and the video went everywhere. Dave Chappelle was next to Kanye the next day. I, had a, uh, I knew of a pastor who got kicked out of his church and when he got kicked out, it was over some conflict that had happened. And he was getting crushed on Twitter. Everybody was coming against him. Everybody had a problem with him. People started coming out against the books that he had. And he hadn't done anything sexual or anything with money, but there was some conflict that had happened. And everybody was talking bad about him. And he said to one of my friends who told me about it, he said, you know, right now, all these big name pastors are calling me privately and telling me how much they love me. And they're telling me how much they care for me. And he said, I need a public friendship right now. Like I need somebody to come out and like support me in some way while everybody is crushing me. And one of the crazy things that happens when you are in your walk with God, there comes a point that Jesus will not resonate fully with the culture. The reality is, is that as you walk with God, there comes a point where the culture will not fully accept everything that Jesus says. You know, one of the ways that it feels like, you know, when you're walking with God and you're getting to know God, um, you know, you, you start to be in a relationship with God and you start to tell people that, you know, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, and you start to tell people about him. And it feels like you're like in a paparazzi with Jesus, you know, and you're, you've got pictures of yourself at church and all these great things. And it's almost like you're on this red carpet with Jesus, right? Telling everybody, I love Jesus. But at some point, there will be words that Jesus says that will not jive with the other culture, whether it's about creation, whether it's about life, whether it's about death, whether it's about sexuality. At some point, the culture will cancel Jesus and his words won't fully resonate. And what I wanna let you know is that what you may presume is a red carpet that you're on presenting Jesus to the world, that might be socially acceptable Jesus, but biblical Jesus has a Calvary road. And there is to some degree a social death that we will feel if you are walking with Jesus and you're presenting him to the world, at some point, Jesus, biblical Jesus, won't fully resonate with the culture. Now, in no way is Jesus like Kanye West. Let me make that clear. But they'll cancel Jesus just as quickly. And they'll do it 
because biblical Jesus will not fully resonate. Never will he fully resonate. The picture we're going to look at today is a moment in time when Jesus says something after all the crowds loved him. He says something that people don't get. They don't resonate. And they begin to cancel him. And the question Jesus has is, will you cancel me too? While the culture cancels me, will you walk away too? Three things to understand briefly before we jump into John chapter six. Three things just to consider. The first thing is that at this time in John chapter six, there was a festival happening and it was the festival of Passover. So one of the things that happens in Passover is that the people of God, Israel, are leaving Egypt. And after they leave Egypt, they go into the wilderness and there's manna that they get out there, that God provides manna, bread from heaven per se, right? So they've been studying that. The second thing is in the immediate context, Jesus just fed the 5,000 and he did it with bread and he did it with fish, right? And so they're receiving this food. They just received this food. So they're literally beginning to search for Jesus again because of the fish and the loaves and that miracle you did. The third thing you have to understand is that, and this is going to blow your mind, but there were people at that time who loved speakers and teachers just for entertainment with no intention of life change. I know that blows your mind, but there were, that actually would happen back then. So, so listen, the crowds are searching for Jesus because he's amazing with his words. He provides food. And man, there's something, I think he's connected to God in some way. Maybe he's like Moses. So, so they're searching for Jesus. So if you capture that idea, go to John chapter six, verses 26 to 27. John chapter six, it says, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus walks in his authority as the son of God. One of the things that he does uniquely here is he says, truly, truly. Whenever Jesus says, truly, truly, he's about to drop a bomb. You just get ready. Like he said, oh, he said, truly. That's a double truly. So you get ready. And what Jesus is doing there is oftentimes a communicator or a prophet would have said, thus saith the Lord. Or would they would have said, according to the scriptures. But what Jesus does is he says, truly, truly, I. So he's appointing to his authority when he says this. And in essence, what he says in verse 27 is, don't labor for the food that perishes. Stop working so hard for temporal, physical things. Rather, focus your life on the eternal things. Now, what you have to understand that these are poor people. I mean, of course, they're going to look for food. Of course, they're going to scurry around and try to figure out what's next. And the thing that you have to understand is that what Jesus is not saying here is don't seek a physical blessing from God. We all want physical blessings. We all want to make rent. We all want to do something great. We all want to make sure our health is good. It's not physical blessing. There's nothing wrong with physical blessing. And he's not rebuking them because of that. What he is saying, though, is focus on eternity more 
than you would ever physical blessing. The, the problem is, Tony Evans puts it this way, God isn't opposed to giving people food or blessing people with what they want. He's opposed, however, to people who simply want to use, who simply want to use him uh, without, uh, I'm sorry, simply want to use him uh, his blessing without him. In other words, he, they want the blessing and not him at all. And, they, and, 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 and that's what people can feel at times, that it doesn't matter if I have Jesus at all as long as I feel the blessing from God. And so what, that's what he's trying to focus them on. I want you to want me, not just the blessings from me. So he goes on and in this conversation, they then say to him, John 6, 28, 29, He's, they say to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Now notice earlier um, in 27, he says, don't labor. So they're, they're like, so he puts them in that mental framework of work. And so there he says, Jesus answered them because they asked the question, what is the work? What's the work of God? I mean, how do we attain this eternal life that you're talking about? Jesus says, now you've got to pay attention to the way he says this. Jesus answers them in verse 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. I think that is such a very unique thing Jesus does there. They say, what do we have to do? What's the work that we have to do? And Jesus answers, he says, this is the work of what? God. He doesn't say this is the work that you have to do. He says this is the work of God. And he says the only thing that you need to do is to believe in his work. See, the reality is the eternal life he is speaking of is you trusting in Jesus. It is not your work. It's you trusting in his work his finished work on the cross. Uh, Philippians chapter two puts it this way, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The reality is, is what God is saying here is the mere fact that you have any trust in God, that you want God, is a work that he did in you. The, the fact that you have desires and affections for God, that was something he did. And so what actually happens is, is that God woos you and he breaks you and he changes you. Now, what can happen is God can do something for you and you can have appreciation. God can do something for you and you can actually give to the church. God can do something for you and you can actually serve within the church and you can serve other people. I'm not saying that if God does something, you won't respond. But what he is saying here is God causing you to trust him because trusting in God is different than appreciating him for what he does. And the fact of the matter is he's saying trust is injected in you. It's given to you. And that's how you're drawn to him. That should humble you tonight. It should humble you to the reality that anytime you felt like opening up your Bible, anytime you felt like praising God, anytime you said, I need to go to church, anytime you said, you know, I'm gonna watch Facebook, I'm gonna watch, anytime that happened, it wasn't because you mustered up some kind of religious energy. It's because the spirit of the living God moved in you to do that thing, not because you felt like being religious today. It's because God is at work. So the work is from him and you must believe. You must trust, it's a response that he woos, he does inside of you. 
The Bible goes on to say in John 6. So their response is like, oh man, what is this whole work and belief? So what do they bring up? Well, they bring up what they've been studying. They bring up the fact of the Passover that there was actually bread from heaven. And they're like, well, you did the bread thing just a little bit ago, and we've been studying that. So what they say in John 6 is, our fathers, verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, Jesus will respond to this, and he's going to point to himself. He, he alludes to himself being this bread. And so in verse 34, they say to him, sir, why don't you give us this bread always? Just do it again. Do it again. You know that thing you did a little bit ago, bread came down, well, bread, you know, however you did the bread thing and the fish, do that again. Just keep doing miracles. Just like we heard about, like there was manna every day, come on. And which, which if, you're, if we're being honest, that is a very human thing to, to be able to know that someone that you know has power. Have you, do you know, you ever, you ever know somebody that, like is rich and then you go out to eat and you like waiting for him to pay for the meal. You're like, you know, we know you got it, right? Like, why don't you take care of it, right? Because if you've got it, why don't you do something? And the mere fact that God has all power, if you were standing there, you'd say the same thing. You, you can, you, the thing you did just an hour ago, do that again. It's dinner time. Like you would do the same thing. He says, give us this bread always. We don't want to have to rely on physical and temporal dealings anymore. We want you to do it all. Give us this bread always. And something that maybe they missed in their studying of the Old Testament, but in Numbers chapter 11 that is referencing the wilderness, in Numbers 11, the people got tired of bread. They got tired of the manna. And they got so tired of the bread that they were like, yo, remember when we were in Egypt and we had like fish and we had all those different kind of like, yo, exotic foods? I'm tired of this bread. So basically they were like, let's go back to slavery when we had a better menu. And so what's happening there is they got tired of that miracle. And what God knows about us is there are not enough miracles to satisfy our hearts. There's not enough. You, you, can we be honest just for a second? Just being honest, just reading the Bible just for itself. Jesus' miracles aren't all that. I'm just saying like if Jesus', if Jesus miracles were foreshowing of power, I could think of like a whole bunch of other stuff he could have done. You know what I'm saying? It's like melt the sun, Jesus. Bring it back. Make the stars say your name. Float a little bit. Like, come on. How can movie theaters think of better ways to put on works of power than Jesus? If, if miracles were just about showing off power, he could have made lions dance. He could have done all types of things. So Jesus was not trying to flex. That was never the purpose of miracles. If you look at the majority of miracles, majority of miracles are Jesus healing the blind. He's empowering women, he's feeding people. These aren't great feats of power. They're actually restoring humanity. They're ending suffering. And all miracles are actually 
pointing people to a different place, pointing people to the kingdom of God, where there is rest, where there is joy, and there is a king, and is giving them a picture of having a life underneath the lordship of Jesus, where you won't have to study war, where you don't have to scurry around for bread, but all miracles are ultimately pointing to himself. Jesus points us to the kingdom of God in every miracle and him being the king. Jesus knows this. He knows the miracles are meant to be for a greater context. So Jesus says this to them in John 6, 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's like, God, and, and you got to understand, if you go back and read this, they're having this whole exchange about bread. And finally, Jesus says, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. Now, one of the things that um, he says here, it's interesting the way that this is rendered. The Greek translation of I am uh, is ego eami. It's the translation of the Hebrew covenant name back in Exodus chapter three, when Moses was talking to God and he asked, who should I say sends you, sends me? They, he says to him, I am who I am. That's what God says. So when they took that phrasing and translated it into Greek, that's the phrasing that Jesus says when he says, I am the bread. And Jesus is gonna use that phrase all throughout John. He's gonna say, I am the light of the world. I'm the gate for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection of life. I'm the way, the truth, and life. I am the true vine. And Jesus continues throughout the book of John to point to himself. And as people are looking for another miracle, Jesus is saying, I'm the miracle. I'm the thing that you're actually looking for. As they're looking for satisfaction and greater food, he's saying, I am the one that satisfies. It's me. And he's saying, in essence, I want you to be hungry for me. Notice, because the way he phrases it, I am the bread of life. I want you to be dreaming and thinking and wanting me every day as you would a meal. It is in that moment that I know that the disciples must have said to themselves, man, bread of life. And if you read the text, what ends up happening is they take it literally like, man, so bread. Like remember when Mo, uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus and was like, yo, what do I gotta do, you know what I'm saying, to get on your team? And he's like, you gotta be born again. He's like, so I gotta go back. And remember, like, all he could do was think of a physical presentation of what Jesus was saying spiritually. So in the same way, when he says, I'm the bread of life, what they end up saying is, so we gotta eat you. Is that what you're trying to say? But this is what Jesus does. Notice what he does in verse 53 of John 6. He says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. 
Verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Wow. Now, Scholars go crazy over this, right? Because some people compare this to Christ kind of giving them a picture of redemption and that, that he would die on the cross. Some see this as the Lord's Supper and that we, we take the bread and we eat it and we drink the, the blood symbolically. But can I just point to you one thing here? Jesus knew the crowd was confused and he deepened their confusion. He was cool with it. Like they were like, so you're trying to say, so what you're trying to say is we need to eat you. He was like, not only do you need to eat my, eat my flesh, uh, but you're also gonna need to drink my blood. Like he kind of went there. He doubled down on confusion. See, even when I started giving the analogy to Kanye, I know some of y'all were like, uh, but I'm saying Jesus will seem like a Kanye someday. He'll seem crazy. How can you say that about sexuality? How can you say that about marriage? How can you say, I mean, oh my God, can, can you believe they say that? They believe that we are like, you gotta be born again. They'll say that. Biblical Jesus will get canceled. Jesus doubles down on craziness. Jesus doubles down on confusion because Jesus doesn't want them to love miracles and teaching more than him. I, I've literally, I've, I, <laughs> you know, I've had people go, man, you know, you're great, but you know, I just, I need somebody teaching. Like I need to buy, I just need more Bible. I need it deeper. I need to be deeper. And I'm like, that's cool. Find better teaching. That's, they're incredible teachers out there because I, this church is not meant to be the place where you get the most profound teaching. We're just trying to present to you Jesus. And teaching is what we, part of what we do, but we're teaching you about Jesus. And the reality is, Jesus doesn't think teaching is gonna hold you. He doesn't think miracles are gonna hold you. He thinks life change will. And so the reality is, Jesus is cool. He actually presses into cancellation. And so, verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, now notice it's in the plural. So let's just think about this. There were 5,000 some people, probably many more, that got the fish and the loaves. A bunch, they don't tell us how many were at this part, but let's just say there's over 500. When it says they, that means this was a murmuring in the crowd, like, no, this is a hard saying, like, oh gosh, eat, y'all, we gonna eat them? I, that's not me, I'm not eating them. I'm not eating, that's, I, I, I bred, but not him, I'm not gonna eat them. You know, they had this whole conversation in the audience, right? And they said, listen, who can listen to this? But understand, it, the Greek rendering of this is not, who can understand it? They're saying, who can accept this? It's not so much that they didn't understand. I mean, that, obviously they didn't, but they're like, I can't accept. This is, this is too far with you, Jesus. 
And these were the disciples, it says. These were people who had committed their lives to him. And so in verse 66, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You should really underline that verse in your Bible. John 6, 66, very easy to remember. Jesus didn't line up with their expectation of Messiah. His hard sayings made it too tough to follow. And so they didn't walk with him anymore. But you know what I bet? I bet you if the next day he fed 5,000, I bet you they'd be there. Because just like them, there are people who want the miracle Jesus, but they don't want hard saying Jesus. And in the same way, people who edit out the tough parts of Jesus sayings want to present a socially acceptable Jesus, but not a Jesus that'll get me persecuted. That's why they stopped walking because they did not want to stay and try to understand. All throughout the New Testament, there's tons of things that they didn't understand. There's tons of teachings. That's why Jesus said parables. There were tons of times when the disciples didn't understand, but they stuck around to learn more. It wasn't just the fact that it was hard to understand. It was the fact that they didn't want to be seen with somebody who says things that could get them canceled. Understand today, there are whole churches dedicated to socially acceptable Jesus. One that will jive with the culture. Let me just be clear. If your Jesus always agrees with you, that's not Jesus. That might be socially acceptable Jesus. That's not biblical Jesus. Biblical Jesus is holy and he is actually trying to change you. And so what we see here in this last set of verses is something that will happen to all of us. In John chapter six, verses 67 through 69, it says, so Jesus, watch this now. Listen, Jesus said to the 12, now, do you wanna go away as well? Y'all have to picture this. There's hundreds of people there, potentially even thousands of people there. And the people are beginning to walk away. And I can just imagine the sandals of the people making that little noise of boom, 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 boom. And people are walking away and the sand is beginning to kick up. And as crowds of people are walking away, as crowds of people are rejecting his teaching, as crowds of people are saying, your words are too hard. As the crowd begins to walk away, Jesus looks at them and says, do you want to leave too? Do you want to go with the crowd of disciples? And I want to say, every believer in Jesus Christ will have a moment where Jesus asks, do you want the crowd more than me? Are you willing to stand with me as they cancel me? And Simon Peter answers him and says, Lord, 
To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And when he says words of life, the word in the Greek word there is rhema word and it, what it in essence means is like a specific word. I, I can remember that day you called my name and it changed me. And only you have done that. And so because of that, I can't think of a better option because notice what he says is, I'm not thinking about leaving. He says, I just can't think of a better place to go. Where else would I go? Who else would I be with? Who else speaks into my soul? And one day, you'll have a moment in your walk with God as the crowd walks away and he'll look at you and he says, you too. And I pray that you answer, no, only you, only you have spoken into my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that we would give you a public friendship, God, not just private affirmation, you call us, although the Christian life is personal, it is not private. And so God, as the culture moves, we still move with the Christ. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.